Hello, you're listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Brandon Elliott. I'm excited today. We have another amazing guest. Um, Before we jump into this, I just want to give a shout out to all the listeners. Thank you so much for all the five-star reviews. We have been having uh, a ton of them. We have, I think, around 600 or so five-star reviews. Just want to thank each and every one of you guys. If you haven't already subscribed, make sure you do so right now so you get the newest notification every single Monday and leave a review. We greatly love the five-star reviews and any feedback with that being said would just be greatly appreciated. So we have a big just want and and need to be able to impact as many people as possible. So we want to help educate you, motivate you, and prepare you to take action in real estate. And with each and every subscription and five-star review, it helps us do that. So greatly appreciate each and every one of you. With that being said, we have an amazing guest today, somebody that has been in the game since 2006 and actually fired his boss or quit his job, left his job at age 37, has four amazing children in the background. You can actually see, you know, some amazing views and, and beautiful kids. Started off over in California, but has since moved to Phoenix and, you know, got properties over there, Ohio, Texas, 30 doors plus at this point doing the birth strategy. And this is something that literally you can really create a six figure business, a really automated six figure business and not be in the trenches each and every day, not, you know, fixing or unclogging toilets like Everybody comes out with those fearful mindset in the beginning, trying to figure out how do you invest 3,000 miles away and so forth. So really excited to actually bump knuckles with Dustin today and be able to dive into it. But you guys are definitely going to have a lot of questions for him. Make sure you reach out afterwards. But that being said, Dustin, what is up, my friend? How are you, brother? I am blessed, Brandon. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I really just, I love talking about real estate and helping people realize that, man, you can literally change your entire life by buying one property, then one next one, and then next one. So yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, no, we definitely share that alignment right there. It's literally just amazing to see the compound effect with even just so little amount of doors, like a couple of doors can really change the average person's life very quickly. So for anybody out there that doesn't know your story, your background, who you are as an individual, do you mind just giving that 30,000 foot view? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Back in 2006, I started investing in real estate and started buying one property after another. And eventually I had enough properties where I could actually quit my job, which was great. That was my entire goal. So now I literally live in Phoenix and I invest all over the country. I also have students. So I also coach people how to do this, but we invest over like in the Midwest. We have really lower prices, get higher rents, which is really, really great. But after 30 plus properties, I was like, man, I really don't need to work here anymore. In fact, I'm losing money working here. So I decided to quit. Now, Brandon, do you mind if I share everybody a quick story of how I made that shift in my brain to actually become an investor? Please, yes, please. So I appreciate it. So I'll tell you a quick story of how I always thought, you know what, I'm an entrepreneur. I've always been an entrepreneur. Growing up, I had a paper route. You know, you'd ride a bike and you throw newspapers and hit them at garage doors and stuff. And I did that. 
And then I also had a graphic and website design company. I had a skateboard manufacturing business. I had a convenience store and a pizzeria. Like I was always starting businesses because I always wanted to, yeah, I didn't want to work for the man, but at the same time, I still had a job. And so I had a family. So my wife and I got married and I had been working at the county, uh, Fresno County in California. There's a county there. And I was working for the IT department. And as I'm working there, I'm just working little by little, as well as having these other you know, side hustles, but they weren't really making any money. But I realized because I grew up in high school, telling they were telling me in college, get a job, get a career. And so I just did that. So I'm working for the county government. And by the time my wife has our fourth child. So, you know, we have four kids now. We, she just had her fourth child. And I go on paternity leave. Now, paternity leave is where you, you know, the dad stays home with the mom, bonds with the baby, helps out with the diapers and all that sort of stuff. I'm off for about a week. And then I get back to work. It's a regular desk job, you know, office job. And I get back to work at the county where I'm working at. Been there for 10 plus years. And I get a call on a Friday at 3.30 in the afternoon. I've only been back a week, but I get a call from my boss's 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 secretary, the top dog. And she says, Dustin, would you please come to the boss's office? And I say, sure. And I hang up the phone and I pause for a second. I think, why would they be calling me to the office? Like, this isn't normal. This is really interesting. And as I'm sitting there, I was remembering back to before, about two months before, I went on paternity leave. There was some rumors or some rumblings that there would potentially be layoffs, like the department was running out of money or didn't have enough money. And I immediately shook that off. I said, no, I have so much seniority here. There's so many other people would leave before me. So I get up thinking confidence about myself and I start walking down the hallway. Now, this hallway wasn't very long, but every step I took, the hallway got longer and longer and longer. And it felt like my feet were lead bricks as I took each and every single step because the weight of everything, my four kids, I, my wife just had her fourth one, all the rest of our four kids. How am I going to put food on our family or family's table, roof over their heads? Because if I do get laid off, what is that going to happen? So as I'm taking every single step, I eventually get through this hallway and I turn the corner to where my boss's office is. His door is closed and I see a secretary. And she's looking at me. She's really sweet, nice lady. And sheepishly, she says, Dustin, would you please have a seat? And I say, sure. And I go ahead and I sit down. And she's consoling me with her eyes because she knows everything that's going on. I have zero clue about what's going on. And as I sit there, it dawns on me that this might be the time that I lose my job. I've been told my entire life to build a career so that they can take care of you in the end. And that I was working for the county government. Like yeah. that's like the most stable thing you could yeah. ever do. And as I'm sitting there in that chair, my forehead starts getting all sweaty. My hands get all clammy because the weight of all this starts hitting me. And I start realizing, oh my goodness, if I lose my job, all of the years I've been working here, that's for nothing. But then what does that make me as a father? Am I a failure as a father? Am I a failure as a husband or even a man providing for his family? And so as I'm sitting there contemplating all these things, the door to my boss's office opens up and out walks a lady, a coworker of mine with a piece of paper in her hand. She's noticeably distraught, noticeably upset. She's not necessarily crying, but you can tell her world's absolutely rocked. As she passes by me, my boss says, Dustin, come into my office. And I go into his office and I get laid off. Basically said, there's not enough money in the department. We just need to do layoffs. I get laid off. Remember, this is the government. Nobody gets fired or laid off from the government, but I did. So I take that pink slip and I walk 
back down hallway down to my office and I sit down. I realize I have two weeks to do something about this. So as I'm sitting there, I realize two different things, Brandon. Number one, I realize I got to get another job. I need to provide for my family. I just have four kids. I need to do something. I had one rental property then. And so I was thinking, you know, one rental property is not going to be enough. So praise the Lord, I was blessed to get another job in the county at a whole nother department. They had money. So I was able to transfer over, which was huge blessing. So check, that was done. The second thing that I realized was that I needed to make sure that this would never, ever happen to me again. No way would I let anybody else have this much power over me that they can make my family stop eating, basically not have enough money. So I did this. I said, you know what? I need to realize that my value is more than my job. And everybody listening to this or watching this on Facebook or on YouTube, what you need to realize is that your value is so much more than anybody could ever ever pay you. I'll tell you how you know this. Number one, your boss is only paying you enough to keep you working without quitting, but not so much that takes money out of their pocket. So you are so much more valuable than anybody could ever pay you. So I'll round out the story to share this. So from that point forward, sitting in my chair, I told myself no longer, if anybody ever asked me the question, Dustin, what is it that you do? Basically, what value do you put on yourself? I'm never going to say what my job was. I now realize my value comes from my God, comes from myself, my family. My value is now I am an investor because I knew I needed to do it. I just didn't take that leap. But that shift in my brain said, I'm going to do this. For every single time that somebody would ask me what I do, I would say, I'm an investor. Now, it so happens that 100% of my money comes from my job. That's now my side job. My full-time who I am is an investor. And I'll round up the story to share this, that I went to work at the sheriff's department in Fresno, great department, did a great job, loved working there, but bought property after property after property. Eventually, I had so many properties, even though I was making $75,000 a year there, I said, I'm losing money working here. And so I walked into my new boss's office, again, great boss, walked into his office and said, boss, here's your two-week notice. Like, I'm firing you. I didn't say that necessarily, but I said, I'm done. He said, Dustin, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I don't need to do anything. I literally own real estate that makes me money while I sleep. I don't do anything and I make money. And so as I walk out of my boss's office, my last walk home. So I work in the downtown Fresno area. It's a mile and a half walk because I didn't want to pay for parking. That last walk, if you contrast that, that first walk where I walked down the hallway with lead bricks on my feet, this last walk, a mile and a half walk home, I felt like I was walking on clouds because looking back, I said, I will never ever need a job again because I invest in real estate. So everybody listen to this, realize your value is so much more than anybody could ever pay you. And that's what got me over this decision to become an investor and then literally change my life for good. That's so, so good. I love it. You know, that really opens up so many things there. It's very inspirational first off and kudos to you for acknowledging that, you know, you put in all the time, you you thought that you had a secure job because that's what, you know, we were raised up to be taught like, hey, go to school, get a good job. And this is as good or, or as solid as you would believe it to be. And then before you know it, you know, even 10 years working there, then you fall into the trap of being laid off. So, so basically like an insurance policy, you're like, hey, this is never going to happen again. I'm going to build out this rental portfolio. What was the year that that shift happened that you, you got laid off and you only had one property at the time and you were like, hey, after this, never again. 
Yeah. So if you remember the crash back in 2009, that yeah. was the whole start of everything. All the departments were running out of money. The county said we didn't have any money. And so that was it. So I started investing in 2006 and I bought one or two properties and then got laid off. And then I realized, oh my goodness, I need to make sure this doesn't happen again. Then that's when I started buying property after property. I couldn't buy enough properties. I didn't have enough money. I would have bought so many more because back then everything was so cheap, which was fantastic. Yes. But that's how I scaled my business. Now, when the crash happened, did you have any issues with the current properties that you you had? Were they underwater? Were... That's a fantastic question. And here's the thing. And I'll definitely answer your question. Back in 2009, when it crashed, 2008, 2009, when it crashed, so many people who called themselves investors literally went bankrupt. They went bankrupt. I did not. And the reason why is because whether the market goes up the market goes down or the market goes sideways, I still make money. I don't care. I literally, hear this again. I do not care if the value of my house cuts in half or goes to zero. I still make money in passive income every single month because people need a place to live. They're always going to need a place to live. I provide a good house for them and they pay me rent. And so what I do is I make sure that I have passive income. And this is what I teach for this is what I do myself as well as teach all my students. We make sure that we make $250 or more in passive income from every single property. With that, if the market goes up, down or sideways, we still make money. So to get back to your question, 100% since from that point forward, ever since I bought every single property, I've made money. Now, the values went down. Granted, like in 2010, all of them went down maybe in half or more, but now they're literally double from when I bought it. The rents are double from when I bought it. And so I buy and hold that I could literally and will literally give them. So if you're watching this, you can see my kids in the background. I will literally give all these properties to my kids because it's generational wealth that I'm creating. So yeah. no matter if it goes up, down or sideways, I make money. So were these fixed mortgages? I know back then it was very notorious to get adjustable mortgages. And that's where the payments would go from 500, 700, eight, whatever, and then double or triple and make it very unaffordable. So I'm blessed to have a really conservative wife, meaning like she's yeah. very risk adverse. She sure. hates risk. In fact, just getting her to buy that first property was the hardest thing in the world. And so the first property, I literally had to walk her through every single step. I had to prove to her this was going to work. And every property after that got less and less. Now, like uh, recently, uh, a little bit, like about a year or two ago, I bought three single family homes and a duplex. And I just said, I didn't even tell her. I said, after the words, I said, hey, babe, I just bought three single family homes and a duplex. She's all, okay, good. Because she knows the business runs well. Yeah. But what I did was she helped me to grow. I want to grow much faster, but she helped me to keep the reins in. And so sure. things like variable loans, subprime, absolutely not. I, that's People who did that, those are the ones that got destroyed. Yeah. I use conventional loans. I use cash. I use private money. I even, this is very advanced strategy. I even used a credit card to buy properties. And again, it's advanced strategy. I made sure I was going to make money to pay that back, which it worked out fantastically. It's a great, great strategy. But no, I didn't use a variable rate loan. Most of them are conventional loans. But here's the great thing, Brandon. Now, as I was quitting my job when I was 37 years old, it's 2017 when I quit my job, my wife said, well, if you're quitting your job, let's get rid of a lot of expenses. And we have a lot of mortgages, but we have cash too. Let's pay off those mortgages. I'm like, oh, babe, but then I can't use that cash to buy more houses. But she said, well, in order for you to quit, we got to get rid of those. I said, all right, all right. So I paid off majority of those loans. Now we have one conventional loan and one bundle loan of four properties. So five properties total have a loan. The rest of them are all free and clear. So I'm just making cash flow on all those. 
Oh, okay, gotcha. So basically, you you did a certain snowball effect that as you're building out the portfolio 100%. and and you're doing very well, you're taking all the cash flow from one you know per month and just start knocking down you know one property at a time. Yes, absolutely. And remember, I was in California. I lived in California at the time, and I know yeah. you're Brandon. You're an investor in out of state. I love out of state property. So I was in California in 2006 when I first started investing. And I realized, my goodness, I could not buy a property and make passive income at all here in California. Yeah. So I went to Ohio and yeah. I started buying in Ohio and I did everything wrong. I flew there, which I never fly anywhere. Out of the 30 plus properties that I own, I've literally only seen one of them before I bought it. And I literally don't ever go view them. I don't want to see them. I have experts run the business for me. That's why it's an automatic business is because we, and here's the key. This is the number one key that everybody needs to know. You need to build the business first. A lot of people will teach you, well, just find a property, run the numbers, make sure you're going to be making a little bit of money in passive income. I don't know, $100. Then you find somebody to rehab and fix up the property. Then you find somebody to manage the property. Then you find somebody to lease the property. And then, and then, and then. That's all, in my opinion, just about backwards. What we do here at Master Passive Income and what I implemented in my business and teach all my students is we build the business first. And Brenda, I'll quickly give you an example of what that looks like. So, and I know you do this in your business. So I'm not, I know, I know you're 100% there. So what we do is we build the business first and think about a convenience store. Now, everybody knows what a convenience store is. You know, fountain machines, you know, candy bars. You just go in and get, a, get something quick as you're driving your car. Well, if you're going to start a convenience store, you're not going to just open the doors, sign a lease to a property, open the doors and put a back box of candy bars in there. In fact, if you do that, you're going to be out of business in two seconds. Yeah. No, you're not going to do that. You're going to build the business. You're going to get the gondolas. Those are the shelving units that the candy bars are on. You can get countertops, fountain machines, cold storage, bank accounts, cash registers, employees, all these things in the business before you buy any inventory. And then you buy the inventory once it's done. Same thing in your real estate investing business. You build the entire business so that you buy a piece of property. That's your inventory that you put into the business. That's how you can scale so much faster because you have that business already built. All you need to do is find more inventory, another property, and put that into your business. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. I think that's great. I've always actually taught, you know, do it one step at a time and not try to overwhelm yourself, but it makes so much sense how you're describing it. It's like, you, you really do need to treat it as a business and think about the whole grand scheme of things, because if you're slow on any of those additional parts, then it could be the life or death of that business, right? Absolutely. And let me tell you that it's sad, but I benefit from it. I've bought lots and lots of properties off of people who think they're investors, yeah. but they do it the wrong way. They find sure. a property and then they do all that wrong way. But after a while, they realize either they can't find a property manager, they can't find a rented, whatever it might be, because they didn't build the business first. And they say, Dustin, just take this property from me. I don't <laughs> want it anymore. It's horrible. I'm like, great. Thank you very much. And I buy it off them for a lot less than they would normally be able to sell for because it's a dump or a drain on them. They just want to get rid of it. So this is what I always do is I always tell my students and myself that as we're building the business, we invest for passive income and we account for all the expenses. Now, some people might say, well, I looked on Zillow and Zillow said this. Well, Zillow's not the expert. Yeah. Um, Redfin's not the expert. The people like these databases, these websites are not the experts. But when we ask like, hey, Dustin, you invest in Ohio, Texas, and Arizona. Are you experts in those areas? No, even my properties where I'm at, I'm not the expert. I hire experts. 
They are the ones that are going to make sure that I'm finding the right properties, that I'm buying the right ones, that they're going to manage my properties before I even buy it. Tell me how much they can rent it for. Tell me all my expenses. So this is the way I run my numbers. Super, super simple. In fact, Brandon, you're much smarter than me and probably everybody else is much smarter than me. I'm not that smart. All I do is a little bit of addition and a little bit of subtraction and a little bit of multiplication if you want to quit your job, which I'll quickly go through. So all you do, once you build the business, the experts tell you all these numbers. You add up all your expenses, your, your mortgage, your insurance, your property, uh, property taxes, your management, all that sort of stuff. You add all those up. That's your expenses. Let's say it's a hundred or like a thousand dollars a month in expenses. Then you talk to your property manager. Manager says, Hey, this property that you're looking at, yes, number one, I will manage the property for you. It's not in a bad area. I will rent it for you. And you could rent it for, let's say, $1,250 a month. Well, that's $250 a month in passive income. So add up all your expenses. Then you have your income. That difference is the passive income. And I'll, I'll, I'll let you jump in just a second. So you buy one property that makes you $250 a month in passive income. That's $3,000 a year without working. If you buy, and this is where the multiplication comes in, super simple. You buy 10 properties, that's $2,500 a month. That is $30,000 a year without working. 20 properties is $5,000 a month, $60,000 a year. I guarantee you just about everybody could quit their job if they had that many properties. Yeah, that's so good. So the numbers that you're shooting for are 250 or above, correct? Per door? Absolutely. That's location. a minimum, 100%. Okay. Yeah. So what what kind of locations, or maybe maybe I should just go in order here, because just to, for anybody like brand new, just kind of jumping in here, let's kind of go through the process of like lead generation first, location, and then numbers and so forth, just so somebody can actually like take notes on this and get that one through five type of step. And Got it. So what you've done. Yeah. A, lo a lot of people when they're, I guess when they're taught how to do this, or even just in thinking in general, the sure. first thought, and that might've been inadvertently, but the first, and I don't do this, or at least I weed this out because I realized that got me into trouble or can get me into trouble. Lead generation is by far one of the last things down the list. And so usually when I'm coaching students, they'll say, hey, I've found an area, which we'll talk about in just a second, but I've contacted like three realtors and they're all excited to send me properties. Like, whoa, 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 stop. Do not talk to any realtors until you build the business. The realtors are, honestly, if there's any realtors, I'm going to apologize in front because I'm going to say this, and I wholeheartedly believe this. Realtors are a dime a dozen. There are yeah. thousands or millions of realtors, but property managers, there's like a handful of them in each city. So there's what we ones. do... 100%. My first property manager, remember, I did this wrong. I flew to an area in Ohio and met a property manager said, you look good. Okay. You sound like yeah. you're trustworthy. Within yeah. six months, she started stealing from me. It was yep. horrible. Now I've learned how to do it right. So what I tell all my students is, whoa, 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 pull the brakes on finding properties. We don't need to worry about leads. What we do, let me start from the very, very beginning. Number one, we're going to invest in an area that has really good returns in passive income. We're not going to invest in San Francisco where you're going to negative like thousands of dollars. Midwest is really, really good right now for lower priced homes, higher rents that can make you in passive income. So what we're going to do, what I do, just like any business, I'm going to make sure my business is built, but then I can buy inventory. Inventory yeah. is huge for me. If there's one town that has one house, that's not enough inventory for me to buy. So I go to bigger cities where I know there's more property managers, where if you go to one city that has like five houses and there's not very many, like 
good luck finding somebody to manage a property for you because you're probably not any property manager. So we find an area of the country, a specific city, and we drill down to make sure there's enough inventory for the type of house that we want to buy. Our cookie cutter is three bedroom, two bath, 1,200 to 1,500 square feet. That's our cookie cutter. We want those. Everybody wants to either rent those or buy those. So we're yeah. covered in both ways, which is great. So from there, we find that area that has a lot, the city that has a lot of inventory. Then we pause. Sorry, do you have uh, like certain demographics that you're looking for as far as like population growth, job growth, anything like that? So those are fantastic for appreciation. I don't look at any of that. The reason why people are literally going to live everywhere. And people might say, well, there's no businesses being built. There's nothing growing in to, to rate. Rents go up just because of inflation alone, let alone people making more money, all that sort of stuff. So because I don't invest for appreciation, I do look now, I, I will say a caveat. I do look at that stuff. That's a criteria in my brain. I make sure if there's really, really high crime in the entire city, I'm like, well, let me see if this might not be the right one. So right. I look at that. But that term location, 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 I'm an investor. I don't care about that. Location, location, location is for realtors. They, they love that. Or people who buy for flipping. I don't do yeah. that. That's too so, much work. I want to buy one house and have it work for me. Yeah, that's good. What about like certain class of either neighborhood or property? Great question. Is there, is there a certain avatar that you're looking for? Yes, that's a great question. So deep properties are very, very rough. In fact, that's when I first started investing. I didn't know what I was doing. Oh, it's cheap. Let me go and buy it. And that, was, yeah. that was tough. So D classes are, I would suggest, in fact, my students, they started looking at D class properties because they're cheaper and all that sort of stuff. I push, I shy them away from that. It is possible. In fact, I still have properties in D class. Like I said, I still own and I'm going to give them my kids. I know how to manage those. I knew how to make sure that my tenants are taken care of as well as they're making the rent payment. I have managers, all that sort of stuff. D class, I would shy away from if somebody's getting started. C minus is okay up to C and a C plus. I personally, if you're starting out and you have less money, stay away from B and A. There's just too much money. It's just, you're not going to make that much in passive income. Let's say you're going to have $300,000 loan to pay for. I mean, shoot, that's close to what? $1,500, $1,600 a month. Well, yeah. if you're only making $100 a month in passive income, that's $1,200 a year. How are you going to feed your family if you have one month where you have to pay for the mortgage yourself? So that's why we like lower priced homes. So C to maybe B minus, sorry, C minus to B minus is probably our, where we stick to. Because here's the thing, people have to live somewhere. And just because you don't live there, remember, this is a business. I don't get emotionally attached to any property. If I need to get rid of it, I get rid of it. Well, I actually don't because it makes me money. But anyways, yeah. I don't get attached to any property. I don't buy a property because I like, I spent so much time analyzing. I want to make it work. No, no, no. This is a business. If it gets above my top dollar, let's say it's, it's $68,000. I don't want to go above that. And they're asking like 74. I stop. I do not go above that because I've already ran my numbers as a business. I already have my property managers. I already have somebody in place so that they're going to run the business when I buy it. But yeah, so C minus to about B minus is what I usually go for. Yeah, I think not a rule of thumb, but a great thing to go for is try to get that beat up property, the worst in the neighborhood. That's the the C, uh, but hopefully in a B area that's kind of transitioning into that stronger B can really set yeah. you up for success. Now, you mentioned yeah, um, price points. With the price points, is there, do you have like a, a certain indication as far as that particular area or like you won't go over that certain number or do you run the comps first and you're like, hey, these are the numbers that I'm okay with. I'm not going to pay a dollar over. 
I already know how much money I have to invest, and that dictates what type of house that I can buy. Now, it might be my money. It might be private money. It might be sure. hard money, signature loans. Like there's, there's on my YouTube channel, I literally have a video where I show the 14 different ways that I've used to buy properties. Even a credit card, like I said, was one of them. It's kind of an advanced strategy. But anyways, I look for how much I have to invest. And let's say I've already found one specific city. Like a lot of my students, I'll give you one specific one right now. A lot of my students... Are investing in Memphis. They Memphis, Tennessee is going really, really well. And a lot of them are, are investing there and they're buying good properties because yeah. they've already figured out this is how much I want to spend on each property. I still want to make $250 a month in passive income for every single property. That dictates the business that I built. It's yeah. not going to be in New York City or yeah. San Francisco. It's going to be a business go. in a location. Exactly. Yeah. It's going to be in a location that I can have inventory that I can purchase over and over again. I'll give you an example of one specific student in 2019. December of 2019, right before, like three months before COVID hit in 2020, he started working with me one-on-one -on -one coaching. So I'm just coaching him and he got started. And in 18 months, he's bought 11 duplexes, 22 doors. And now he's making like 6,000, 7,000 a month in passive income. And so it's absolutely, so if you're thinking, oh my goodness, how in the world is this possible? It is possible. So his properties are in Memphis. I have other students in the Carolinas that are investing there, Ohio, Florida, like all over the Midwest. And then Southeast is really, really good properties. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I mean, I live in San Diego. I tried for the first two years of my beginning career of being an investor, uh, getting into you know properties out here, but I was getting beat out by like real investors, like all cash, no contingencies, close in five, 10 days, stuff that we do now locally out here. So I invested over in Ohio as well. And a lot of the price points over there, you know, I'm guilty of it, you know, D-class areas, I'm trying to make them better. Uh, now the cash flow is huge. I'm getting closer to six, $700 uh, per door. Absolutely. Same here. Yep. However, um, it's the appreciation is going to be a heck of a lot less. It's not like we, on one of our properties out here in San Diego, we made over $300 last year just on appreciation. Now, that's not something we could take action on like a HELOC or whatever, but like that, that's icing on the cake, right? That's not that's not passive income today, but it's crazy to see what you can do in a short period of time of building out these properties. And I love how the first thing that you go for is not lead generation. You instead kind of work backwards and you're like, hey, I know the strategy that I, I want to go with. It's not going to be fix and flip. It's not going to be wholesaling. It's not going to be subject to or anything like that. I'm trying to buy these. I know the money that I have to invest. And this is, you know, location is going to be my first uh, avenue that I pick with. I really do love that. So what- Yeah, absolutely. And once you have that, I'll quickly jump in and say, once yeah. you have that location, I tell my students, any property that you find right now, more than likely by the time you're done building your business, it's gone, which will be fine because more properties come on the market. Yes. We make sure we find the property managers, the contractors, the roofers, the plumbers, the inspectors, the insurance agents, like literally every single person in the business before we buy any inventory. So build the business. Let's talk about that for a second. That's a huge struggle point for so many beginner investors out there. Tips, tricks, learning curves. What do you have on all that stuff? Because I have a dozen learning mm -hmm. curves that I screwed up on, but I'm sure you might as well. What do you teach your students now? Absolutely. So that's a, a terrific question. So a couple of things come to mind. Number one, you need to hire the right person. And I will say this, if you remember something in hiring, it's hire slow, but yeah. fire fast. Yeah. Hire slow, fire fast. If somebody's stealing from you, like my property manager was stealing from me, I fired them as fast as I could. Yep. But when I'm hiring, 
I make sure I go very slowly because I want to find the right person. Because remember, you're hiring these people to run your business. You don't want to be up at night pulling your hair out. And what's interesting, Brandon, because I built the business and I did everything right the first time, I don't work 30 minutes a day. I don't work 30 minutes a week, basically, like barely even 30 minutes a month just by reviewing the property manager statements and then putting away. But here's the big thing that you're going to do to make this an automatic business. This is what I love about real estate investing is it's automatic. I suggest, and this is what I tell all my students is, when we're building the business, as we are getting and hiring somebody to be on our team, in our business, we give them our business rules. I'll give you an example. Like your property manager, you give them your business rule. This is the suggestion I would say, just a broad example. So rent is due on the first. It's late after the third. On the fourth, you put a three-day notice. And then once that three-day notice is up, you start the eviction process, like literally clockwork every single time. And that's, that's, like, that's literally no discrimination. I'm treating every single person the exact same. I don't care about who they are or what they are. Just like your bank, if you have a mortgage on your house, just stop making your payment like clockwork. Things are going to happen. Eventually, you will get foreclosed on. Same thing in my business. So when we're talking about building the business, we also want to find hire the right people, hire slowly, interview. Like that's a big thing. A lot of people, oh, I sent somebody a couple texts and that's an interview. No, 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 no. Talk to them on the phone. Talk to them two or three times. Here, here's an interesting thing, Brandon. So I love buying properties off people who didn't find a property manager beforehand. And then they bought the house. They found a contractor and fixed it up. It's a nice house now but they can't find anybody or they don't know how to find the right property manager. And here's what, uh, quickly pa pause that. I create videos on my YouTube channel, teaching people how to do this stuff. The least watched videos are always on property managers. And I'm dumbfounded because that's like that's the one, right? of your <laughs> team. Yes, so but boring. it's like the least watched. I'm like, oh my goodness, guys, if you just knew, I will save you so much time and trouble if you find the right property manager. So what happens, imagine you bought a house, you put you know thousands and thousands of dollars to fix it up, you have that loan, yeah. but you can't find anybody to manage the property, which means you can't find anybody to rent out the property, then you're stuck with a drain. Instead of that, how about knowing for sure that you can rent it out and have somebody that's gonna manage the property before you buy it. So all that is building the business, doing everything right first, so you yeah. have the experts telling you what to do, how to do it, and you just follow in their footsteps. Dustin, I am so guilty of this. I am. I got to admit to it because I'm, <laughs> I can I can almost like testify with everybody else that's missing that video. You know, it, it's nobody's teaching it the method that you are, which is it's, a, it's against the grain, right? It's always everybody goes, I feel like you're doing it backwards, but it's it, it really is how it should be done. Uh, almost you should build out the business first instead of going with leads first, you know, figure out the location, oh, yeah. build out the team build out the team because Absolutely. That, it's so important. That's everything. Yeah. And that's something that when I teach all of my students, that's the hard, I mean, back to one of your questions, a couple of questions ago, the hardest thing for all of my students is yeah. getting over this hurdle. Now, uh, fast forward to where I am. I literally don't work. I went in 2017, I went through Japan with my wife and four kids and my dad. We drove 2000 miles around Japan on the left-hand side of the road, driving around that for six weeks. In 2018, we went to Europe, went to 11 different countries, six week trip, 11 different countries. 
And then in 2019, we went through the East Coast. We went start in Florida, drove all the way up to Washington, D.C. and New York, and then flew back on a four-week field trip. We homeschool our kids, where my wife does. I have the easy job of making money. She's got the hard job of homeschooling the kids. But we travel, and I literally don't do a thing because of the business that I built beforehand that it runs on its own. And because of that, I already know that I'm going to make money before yeah. I even buy the property. And so when a student says, well, Dustin, I see you traveling. I see you only working 30 minutes a month. How do I get there? Like right now, this is so much work. I'm like, I went through that same work now too. Now, but imagine if you're having to do this work after you bought the house, you've already spent thousands and thousands of dollars and now you're having to do the work. You're losing money. Do this work first. Once you do this work first, everything else is gonna be so much smoother. You'll be so much more happy. And I love being proactive. I hate being reactive. When you're reactive, you have two choices, bad and worse. When yeah. you're proactive, you have lots and lots of choices. Make sloppy decisions. Yeah, it's true. Cool. So after you build out the relationships, you do the proper screening, you hire slow, fire fast, then what? Then what you do is you start looking for inventory. You get the people that are in your business. I love wholesalers. I love wholesalers. So I try to find as many wholesalers as I can because yep. I don't want to find leads. I don't want to send out letters. I don't want to do nope. any of that junk. I love waking up in the morning, drinking my coffee after I get back from the gym because I'm an early riser. But anyways, drinking my coffee, looking at my email. Okay, let's see what properties are sent to me. Great. Hey, this wholesaler, he wants $2,000 for this wholesale deal. I'm like, Done. Doesn't matter to me. He's got the price down where I want to be. If he's making some money, I don't care. In fact, realtors make a lot of money on the sales. So wholesalers work even harder. They find the seller and the buyer and they do that together. So I don't do any work on my own. So I get the people to actually work in the business. The contractors put them to work. Property managers put them to work. Remember, and here's the great thing, and you know this too. I don't pay my mortgage. I don't pay my taxes. I don't pay my insurance. I don't pay my property manager my tenants pay for every bit of those. Now, it so happens the money comes in through me and back out to them, but I don't have to work to pay for a property manager because people start saying, thinking, well, Dustin, how do I make sure that I can pay for a property manager? I'm like, you account for that before you buy the property by putting yeah. that in your numbers. That's good. So once you get these leads coming in, you find one that it makes sense, it, it's within your budget, you're ready to go, you pull the trigger, and what does the next steps look like? Are you, for funding wise, <laughs> are you typically paying cash? I know you've done all oh, good of it, question. right? So yeah, so I chuckled a little bit because the next step is literally nothing. I don't do anything after that. Like it literally takes me two to three hours of my own personal time to buy a house, to put it in my business and then let other people run with it. But getting to your financing question, I suggest any investor, if you're going to be investing, your ultimate goal is to where you get to the point where you are buying a house with cash, refinancing it, pulling that cash out, buying the next one. Now, it doesn't have to be your own personal cash. Like you save for years and years and years. You can use private money. You can use hard money. You can, like I used a credit card. You're using cash because you could buy it for cheaper, for faster, no contingencies, all that sort of stuff. And sellers really, really like you. So what I do, so now, if there's a correction in the market, I'm ready to buy a ton of properties, but I'm still looking for deals and there are still deals out there. So like I said, I had that one video where I show 14 different ways of how I finance properties. I literally should figure out, okay, here's 14 tools. There's one job that needs to get done, 14 tools, which one fits inside yeah. that job? And then I get that done that way. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, I, I've definitely, I can relate. I've purchased properties with credit cards in the past. We do the birth strategy with everything. Awesome. But I've been screwed over originally for, you know, 3,000 miles away, investing over in Ohio and just taking advantage of from young, 
you know, naive and not enough experience. And over in California, they label you as more money, which is farther <laughs> from the truth, right? But well, uh, I started investing when I was 27 and I was yeah. in Cal- 26 and I was in California too. So I know exactly what you mean, but I just, I held their feet to the fire. Like yep. everybody that's in your business, you need to hold their feet to the fire. It's your business. You need yep. to make sure that they're running your business the way you want it to be. Yeah. So originally I was getting screwed over by contractors of paying them oh, cash. Yeah. And then I realized, Hey, from now moving forward, I'm only going to pay with credit cards. So then I can have that protection. Right. I love that um, idea. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it, a great idea. Able- on top of that, yeah. I'll give you one tip that I love to share with all my students too. Actually, two different ones. And it's common sense, but you need to implement this in. So never pay up front. Obviously, you understand that. I try to not pay half up front, half at the end. I try to even break it down to thirds or even quarters. Like yeah. show me that you're actually doing the work and you get paid. So that's number that's tip number one. Here's a second tip on top of that is as they're doing the work, now you're probably having other people in the uh, let's say working on a house, you have a contractor, then you have the landscaper. You might have two different people. Utilize the landscaper and say, hey, Lance, call him up, landscaper. Hey, the contractor said he fixed the door. Can you just go open the door and make sure it opens and closes? It just looks okay. It's gonna take you two seconds. More than likely, while you're on the phone, just say, oh, he'll say, okay, walk over there, open the door and close the door. Okay, looks good. Great. You're getting other eyeballs of yeah. other people doing on, on looking at it. They literally have nothing to do with it. I even had a plumber. I said, hey, this new sliding glass door just got installed by a whole brand new different company. I said, hey, plumber, can you go and just open the sliding glass door? Just, just look at the corners, make sure it looks square and everything is, he said, looks great. Open it up, slides perfect. Hey, this is a great door. I'm like, good, I am good there. Yeah, no, I love that. That's so good. Any other learning curves that you've walked into or found over time that you will not make that mistake again and something that the listeners could take advantage of as well? The biggest one, like I said, is find the right property manager. And then on top of that, like that, that's like, that's your quarterback. They sure. make you score, save money. And they're just, they're fantastic. They're the ones that are going to make you money or save you money. But on top of that, it's making $250 a month in passive income. That's, I will never go below that. In fact, I tell my students, do not go below that. And the reason why $250 a month is $3,000 a year, which is good because you're going to be paying for your family, for food and everything like that. You're going to be living off of that. And it's a buffer as well. Let's say you have, like, we're already saving for capital expenses, for repairs. We're saving for that. But let's say there's something that was unforeseen, like, oh my goodness, like the entire roof blew off and we, like the insurance isn't going to cover it. It's going to be six grand. Well, we have a little bit of money we can dip into as well as our reserves. If you're only making $100 a month in passive income, this is why I said minimums 250. Some are for me, five, six, 700, like you said, Brandon. But if it's only $100 a month, it's only $1,200 a year. If you have one furnace goes out, boom, there goes all your passive income. Yeah, I mean, it can go very quickly. So definitely have a strong due diligence list of your expenses so that you don't overlook anything like, especially if you're in D class areas, we have a strong vacancy rate because I'm looking for the cream of the crop. I'm looking for the best of the best. And I scream like a bank. So I'm not going to let any Tom, Dick and Harry that calls in and says, hey, can I see your property? Or, you know, you got to pre-qualify first. So you got to fill out an application, pay the $35 fee. If they don't want to do that, then I'm not going to waste my time or pay my contractor. hundred percent. You know, I, so, I've even done it to where I've paid for the background check myself, like in bad, bad areas, where they don't even want to spend that money. I say, I'm going to pay that $35 for the background check because it's going to save me so much money. Like, thousands and thousands of dollars from carrying costs to evictions to cleanup, all that sort of stuff. It's going to save me that $35 will save me thousands in the end. 
me personally, I've got a lot of my resources of good, you know, contractors, property management, stuff like that through referrals from building one relationship and really utilizing them for being in the neighborhood locally for a long time, have a good foundation, man of their word type of thing, and have great resources. Once they give me that referral, that recommendation, that individual, even if we bump heads, they always want to make sure that the word doesn't get back to that person that referred them over. So do you have recommendations like that? Or do you have anything outside the box when you're finding the cream of the crop? You're talking about tenants or people working in your business? People working in your business for you. So, yeah. So I always check references as best I can. I had one sure. property manager said, I don't give out references. I'm like, why not? Well, I, my landlords, they, they want me to keep their privacy safe. I'm like, well, I'm not using you then because yeah. you need references, number one. Here's another tip that I love to use. So when you're looking for a property manager, you're going to be, I personally think you should check everywhere, even check Yelp and Google check their reviews. But here's the thing. I get a lot of students say, man, Dustin, I can't find any property manager that doesn't have less than three star reviews. I'm like, okay, but let's look at what reviews are being brought in. Who sure. reviews property managers? Tenants and landlords. So yeah. tenants will absolutely, they're going to say, oh man, this guy, this they're property manager, him. exactly. I didn't pay my rent for three months and they kicked me out, the jerk. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, you should have been kicked out. What we need to do is screen these reviews for landlord reviews, where landlord, like a like landlord saying, this property manager is fantastic, taking care of my properties and making lots of money, five stars. That's the only one I care about. I don't care yeah. about all these other little ones. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah, I love that. You know, and anything, I guess, before we wrap this up that you think could be really beneficial to the listeners. And then I want to give you the opportunity to, you know, plug all the resources, how people can get a hold of you. We've covered a lot of ground, but honestly, yeah. there is so much in this business. And so what I've actually had a lot of students ask me, well, Dustin, I have your podcast, I have your YouTube channel, I have your books and articles and stuff. Like, what more do I need? And I said, well, honestly, I give away so much stuff. And the reason why I give away so much stuff, and Brett, Brandy, I think I know you understand this completely. I can teach anybody, like literally anybody, how to invest in real estate, but getting them over that hurdle that mindset shift where they realize I can do this. Oh my goodness, like I'm going to do this. Just like what I told myself when I got laid off, that was my mindset shift day. I said, I'm going to do this. So I can teach anybody how to do this, but getting yeah. them over that hurdle is the hardest thing. They need to do that on themselves. But when I, everything that I give away for free, that's literally like 20% of everything you need to learn that I in way I run my business. The rest is in my courses and my coaching and all that sort of stuff. So I have everything there for you. But I, I, I do have a real estate investing course. I wouldn't mind giving away for free. Would you mind if I share that with everybody? Please. Yeah, I'd love that. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. So I definitely want to give it to you. I want you to just see that it's possible. Find an area of the country to invest. But build the business first. Make sure you're making $250 a month. Scale the business to quit your job. If you go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course, it's all one word, forward slash free course, masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. I will literally give that to you as well as you can even text the word rental, R-E-N-T-A-L to 33777. Rental to 33777. I'll literally give that to you. I don't care. I just want you to get started. I, this is the fun thing. I get to talk to great people like you, Brandon, because I don't work. I don't have to work. And so yeah. it's like, let's just give back. And just like you, I just want to give back. That's so good. I love where your heart's at, man. And it's really exciting to see what you've built thus far, the impact that you're making on so many people's lives and where you're heading in the next few years. You know, what kind of goals do you have? Like, where do you see yourself in the next five, 10 years? So I have two different goals. 
yeah. generally speaking. So number one is for my investing business. I love Monopoly. So growing into multifamily, 50, 60 unit apartment complexes, but my bread and butter is four units and below. I love those. I'll keep buying those till days long. I just, I'll keep going. The yeah. other thing is honestly, like for master passive income, where I have my podcast and YouTube and everything, I want to get to where I have um, at least 500 people. I want to show 500 people how to actually do this and literally just show that here's the business. And right now I have probably 50 people that are currently going through everything that are buying their first property and then doing it. So anyways, that's my other goal, not a monetary goal. I just literally want to get 500 people to invest anywhere because it's changed my life dramatically. I literally get to do all this fun stuff with you. Yeah, no, it's amazing. Well, I love it, brother. I, I really do. I'm really excited for you and I uh, appreciate you so much diving in for this past hour with us. I know time is valuable. I know you're free. You're chilling today. But regardless, I appreciate you so much for diving in with us because you gave away an hour of your time. It's most valuable. You know, can myself or any of the listeners do anything to give back to you? Yeah. Oh, man, I appreciate that. Well, just I have my YouTube channel, my podcast. Just look up Dustin Heiner or Master Passive Income. Just devour the content. That's that's what it's there for. I literally want you guys just to change your life. And so, uh, but yeah, no, I appreciate it. Just check out my masterpassiveincome.com. Get the free course as well. But yeah, that's it. Just change your life. So I'm at the point now, Brand, I'll quickly share with this. So there are four legacies that I, I believe somebody wants to leave in their life. Number one is a money legacy. Like we try to earn enough money or make enough money so we can have the money to do whatever we want. I'm blessed to say, check, I got that done. And so hopefully I want everybody to get this. The next one is your time legacy, getting your time back, being able to quit your job and having your time that you want. For the last five years, I literally don't work. And so I don't do anything, which is great. So I have that check and I want everybody else as well. The next one is relationships. I now devour my kids or give, give to my kids and my family and all that sort of stuff in my church. I just give. And so that's where I'm doing relationships. The last one, and this is where my 500 people that I really want to help is, is service. So first one, legacy is money, then time, then relationships. The last one is service. Now I'm at the point now, every business that I create, everything that I do is all about serving other people. My properties serve other people. Master Passive Income serves other people. All the other businesses that I create serve other people. So the more people that I serve, the better my life gets, the more yeah. money I make and the better everybody else's life gets. So that's, yeah, yeah. So I appreciate you guys. Thank you very much for having me on, Brandon. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. It's such an amazing feeling once you serve too and you can see how much time, energy, you people's just life off change. Of that yep. person. Life-changing, right? I love it. Yep, absolutely. All right, guys. So I appreciate you so much, Dustin, for being a part of this. I know the listeners, you definitely have a ton of questions for Dustin. Reach out to him. You know, he just plugged a bunch of different ways that you can reach out to him, but simply look him up, connect with him. He's a great guy to network with and really be able to help you hit all of your goals when it comes down to rental properties and the birth strategy and so forth. So with that being said, appreciate you guys offer hitting that subscribe button and um, leaving a review means the world to us for Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. And if you want to get a hold of me, you can always do so on Instagram. It's Brandon Elliott Investments. Otherwise, facebook.com forward slash Brandon Elliott Investor. If you need any type of credit repair done for you services, check out creditrepairmobile.com. And then if you're looking to get educated and really join our mastermind group for Credit Council Elite, basically goes over the four-step process of educate, fix, build, leverage, understanding how the banks and lenders are judging you, how to be able to fix your credit very quickly. I'm talking hours, up to 10 business days, 
to really clean it up, being able to build several six figures in credit, even up to seven figures in business credit, and then being able to leverage it, purchasing properties with credit cards, doing hard money lending with credit, starting e-com businesses, you name it, being able to fund your lifestyle, then you can check out creditcounselelite.com and apply on there to see if it's a good fit. But with that being said, appreciate you guys all so much for tuning in. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. We will see you on the following episode next Monday. Dustin, appreciate you so much once again, man. Stay blessed. Thank you, you too. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit brandonelliottinvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.